Our scripture readings this morning are Exodus chapter 16 verses 1 through 21 and Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. 
While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing on the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some took much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and it smelled. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from the village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me, please? Spirit of abundance. We pray that you would help us to trust your existence, your presence in our lives, and that you would change our hearts to reflect your generosity. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. In order to begin the Camino de Santiago, the very first stop you make is at the pilgrim's office. On March 31st of this year, I visited the pilgrim's office in this little village in France. They gave me my credential, which is like your national parks passports. You get a stamp for every place you're going to stop. And the credential has this very undetailed map on it. There's a tiny list of everywhere you could sleep along the way. They hand it to you and they say, Buen Camino, off you go. But the other thing that they have at this pilgrim's office that everyone lines up behind is a scale. It's like the, the produce scale at the grocery store, only it's bigger. The recommended weight for your pack is about 10 to 15% of your body weight, according to this little sign by the scale in multiple languages. 
And so on March 31st, I got in line, one of many hopeful pilgrims, looking to weigh our backpacks to see how close we were to the recommendation, to see how much we'd overpacked. It's like you put your bag on the scale and then you want to look away. You don't want to see. So I get up there and it's my turn. I'm going for like 13 to 18 pounds. My bag doesn't even have food or water in it yet. And the scale is in kilos. So it takes me a little bit of extra time, some math to get there, but I realize that it's 22 pounds. That's fine, right? Four pounds over the upper limit. What difference could that really make? And I wasn't willing to do without anything else in my pack. Maybe having an extra outfit to sleep in, like pajamas, was a luxury, but I chose that luxury. <laughs> Maybe having an extra pair of shoes was unnecessary. And I started to go through my stuff to see if there was anything else. I packed this, this guidebook, which was like pretty hefty, kind of, kind of too heavy, but I really needed it because I couldn't read the tiny list of places to sleep. I had a journal that was also some extra weight. But I had given up, Matt had instructed me to give up this nice big towel. He said that this was too much, that I wouldn't need that. So I took that out and I packed only this tiny little scrap to dry off with after every shower. My shampoo and conditioner bars were too heavy, so I dropped those. I was clearly not going for hygiene on this trip. <laughs> I, had, um, I had three pairs of socks that I had designated for the month because clean socks are important, right? But I decided to whittle it down to just two pairs of socks, wash one and wear one. One pair of pants, one shirt, one water bottle, 22 pounds it was. Take only what you need is the lesson of the Camino that we're focusing on today. Take only what you need right now and trust that whatever else you need will appear when you need it. In our gospel reading from Luke, Jesus is sending his disciples out on a mission to cast out demons and heal the sick and cure diseases. He's sending them to work in the villages and the towns and the surrounding countryside to do God's work of healing and restoration. And Jesus sends his disciples on this journey with quite a restrictive packing list, more of a list of not what, of what not to bring. Take nothing, nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. I imagine Jesus' disciples putting their little rucksacks on that scale in the pilgrim's office with a smug look on their faces, not even close to 10% of their body weight. And the rest of us with our extra pair of shoes and our jar of peanut butter and the pajamas we insisted on bringing feeling a little sheepish. Jesus sends his disciples into the world and the most specific instruction he gives in Luke is not about the skills they should work on, not about the words they should use when they encounter people or the teachings are, that are most important. No, the specific instructions are completely focused on how lightly they should pack. Take only what you need and in like a bare bones sense of the word need. How does this instruction shape the mission of the disciples? How does this imperative change what happens next? 
It means that they go to work, they go on their journey quite open and vulnerable. They are not colonialist missionaries who loaded up their ships and their horses with Bibles and church building supplies and guns for protection and went to new places looking for converts. The disciples of Jesus are not sent with their arms full of stuff to rain down on needy people like Santa Claus, gaining more power and influence by making locals dependent on them. They're not sent to be preachers of the prosperity gospel. Look at all the wealth and the fancy cars and the nice clothes that we have. Just believe in Jesus and you'll have this too. Instead, the disciples of Jesus are sent empty-handed as pilgrims. They're sent as seekers themselves to find and create community by being dependent on the hospitality of strangers. They're sent out hungry to meet other hungry people and discover the incredible and unexpected ways that God nourishes all of us. The lesson in discipleship that Jesus has for us today asks us to reconsider how much we're trying to take with us and what of it we really need. Our culture doesn't ask us to do this at all. There's no societal call to honesty about how stuffed we are. The messages we receive in ads and social media and the lifestyles surrounding us tell us we need more. Always. Upgrade. Update. A bigger place to live. A newer phone. Stylish clothes. The latest piece of technology. And then more stuff to organize the stuff we already have. Very rarely do we hear that we have more than we need, that we have more space in our homes than we truly need. Very rarely do we hear that we are piling up a hefty amount of treasures on earth that will in fact rust and decay and expire. Nowhere do we hear that if you make $50,000 a year as a single person, your income is higher than that of 98.5% of the people in the world. Nowhere do we hear that if we gave away a lot more, we'd still be fine. No, the messages we hear are always, you need more. This might not be enough, so hold on to what you have and get as much more as you can. Maybe we've done with less in the past, but now that we have more, we can't imagine going without any of it. And so it brings on a sense of panic when it feels like Jesus is asking a lot of us, asking us to give up something we've convinced ourselves we need. Or when God tells the Israelites in Exodus, take only what you need for one day and trust that what you need tomorrow will show up tomorrow. It's like an instinctive resistance like when Matt says, no, bring this tiny towel. I use a towel this size every day in my life, so I think I need it. Or I use like 15 to 25 pairs of socks in a normal month, so I thought I needed them. But being a pilgrim changed that a little bit. Very quickly, with 22 pounds of necessities on my back, I started to question whether I even needed what I had. These boxes started to appear in the albergues and the places we slept like 10 miles into this 500 mile walk where people discarded the things that they no longer wanted to take with them 
things they thought they had needed, but it turns out they didn't need it that much. An extra pair of pants, winter wear, an extra water bottle or hiking boots, and anyone who found themselves in need could search through the boxes and take whatever might serve them. I shed a fleece and a book along the way, and I picked up exactly nothing from any of those boxes. I would walk for days through these tiny towns, and then I'd finally get to a bigger city that was full of shops, souvenirs and things that I could buy to remember my time or gifts to bring home to my family. I wasn't even tempted. I remember walking into this outdoor supply store. It was like a mini REI about halfway through the walk. Now, before I left, I promise you, I visited that REI on Rockville Pike like every other day. I just couldn't stop buying things. But this day in Spain, like 15 days into carrying my pack, I come to this supply store full of fancy socks and camping gear and all these gadgets to make your hike more comfortable, brilliant contraptions to keep you dry or warm or whatever. And all I could think of surrounded by these shiny new products was, I really don't want to carry another single thing on my back. Even in grocery stores, and the running theme of this series is how hungry I was on the Camino, even in grocery stores, I would walk through every aisle, looking at all the things, and then I decided at the end that what I was already carrying would have to be enough. It's like I developed this incredible buy-nothing discipline, but it was really just my back talking, and my shoulders, and my hip bones, and my legs saying, please, no more. Everything that I needed, it turns out, fit into this bag. Or it just appeared along the way. And one stretch of the meseta that I told you about last week, the high plateau that's pretty desolate and monotonous, at one stretch there were about four and a half or five miles with no services. And I walked up a steep hill in the sun. I ate the only granola bar I had. I wasn't carrying much extra food at all. And then up on the plateau, there's a picture of it on your bulletin. There's this oasis of abundance. There's a man, a volunteer, who sets up this enormous spread in the middle of nowhere out of the goodness of his heart. And he sits there every day. And the tables are filled with this variety of foods, all offered as gift to anyone who's passing through. I had been subsisting on potatoes and eggs and bread and Nature Valley oats and honey bars. And here at this table, there was watermelon and plums and sunflower seed butter and rice cakes and maple syrup and dried fruits and oat milk and like a hundred kinds of chocolate. It was this bounty and it seemed to never get used up. And the guy just sat off the side playing his guitar. And then when the watermelon ran out, he'd go off to pull another one from a giant pile that I have no idea how he transported to the middle of nowhere. And he'd slice it up. And what it was about this place was the surprise of it, how it was all completely free. But even more, what struck me was that it was the best things on that table. It was someone's very favorites, not stuff that was just cheap or easy to buy in bulk. It was like this guy had thought through the different nationalities of people who walk the Camino and what they might be missing from home. And then he somehow found and he brought it. This oasis changed the mood of everyone who came through. And it was so powerful 
because we were hungry for it. Had I been traveling with enough food for the next week, or had I just come from a hotel buffet, that little oasis would have been quaint, but not day-changing. I would not remember it as sharply as I do. Jesus sends his disciples out empty-handed so that they can experience what it feels like to be in interdependent community. What it feels like to be humble, to be surprised by grace in the form of a stranger's open table. The Exodus story, too, hits home the point that living simply, taking what we need and leaving the rest for someone else is a spiritual practice. Think about it. God had this nation of refugees out in the wilderness for 40 years. They're here to learn about how to be a people, how to be in covenant relationship with God. And God could have used the manna to teach them any number of lessons. Like imagine that these are school children and you're trying to get a point across to them. God could have provided enough manna for a week or a month all at one time, like made it all appear one day and everyone would have to gather as much as they could, work really hard, and then portion it out day by day, week by week. God could have used the manna to teach people how to save responsibly, how to ration, how to delay gratification, not use everything up at once. All these values that we teach our children and we pride ourselves in upholding, like a strong work ethic and planning and saving for the future. But these aren't the values that God seemed to prioritize there in the wilderness. These aren't the lessons that God chose to teach with the manna. What was apparently more important than teaching the Israelites how to be fiscally responsible with limited resources was teaching them how to trust, how to behave as a community. God chose to use the manna to teach this lesson. Of all the possible things the Israelites needed to learn, God said, what we're going to practice is taking only what we need and leaving the rest for someone else and trusting that morning by morning, you'll have enough and everyone will have enough. I come to this oasis table on the Camino full of fruits and chocolates and things that I crave and I eat my fill, but there are no doggy bags. There aren't like Tupperware containers, signs that say, stock up for the next 20 miles. The sign says, take what you need and then go on your way, trusting that there will be another oasis whenever it's needed, that you don't have to carry everything on your back, that you can walk a little lighter, a little freer, and someone else will be generous in the future. And maybe it's you. We give what we have to our church's ministry so that we can be like that oasis. We pay to take care of this building so that someone who doesn't have a safe space to be real, to be themselves, can have one here. We give to migrant ministries and Bethesda Help and we provide shelter meals and we host a pride booth and we create nurturing programs for our children and our youth. We do it all in the spirit of the generous soul who spread a table in the middle of a desolate plateau on the Camino, determined to put out a spread of the very best 
We give to support the church because we believe it's important to keep meeting the needs of whoever shows up. There are practical, logical reasons. But the spiritual reason, the spiritual reason we give is because God's instruction to us over and over throughout Scripture is to take only what we need and give the rest away. Take only what we need and then open ourselves to experience grace. Take only what we need so we can be free, no longer stuffed or weighed down by our stuff, our concerns about it, how to carry it, how to protect and preserve it and organize and update it. We don't even realize how much we're weighed down by all the things we need until Christ calls us to a bit of honesty until he gives us the chance to just like set it down for a second and realize that the reason that God wants us to pack lightly is so we can experience freedom. Because we were made to be unbounded, unburdened, part of something bigger than ourselves, this mystical network of generous provision that defies our human cultures and sometimes our human logic but it is real as a table of bread and cup where everyone has enough. We give because we believe that that's possible, because we're ready to become unstuffed and live in the freedom and the joy of a generous God whom we deeply trust. So during the offertory today, I invite you to spend some time in prayer about what it means for Jesus to send you as a disciple, taking only what you need. How are you called to freedom, to trust, giving through our church and beyond? What will you leave in this box, like the pilgrims on the Camino looking to lighten their load and share with the next person? They invite us into a time of quiet prayer together as the ushers receive this morning's offer. Thank you for being with us in worship and to all who helped to make it happen today. They remind you to join us for coffee hour following the service. And as you go, I hope the manna in the morning song comes back and stays in your head like an earworm all day. And that you remember that we indeed have enough, that we are taking what we need and sharing the rest so we can live in the freedom of Christ. Go in peace. Amen. NBUMC Weekly is a production of North Bethesda United Methodist Church, located in Bethesda, Maryland. Follow us on YouTube and Facebook at North Bethesda UMC or on Instagram at Loving All Neighbors. All music is licensed via Christian Copyright Licensing International, CCLI. <laughs>